Chapter 13 Coming up into the waking state, Gom found himself lying on the floor beside the bed, staring at Wiccan's shoes. As his mind cleared, he heard the murmur of voices. People coming! He rolled away, staff and all. They must not find Liana. Scrambling around to the far side of the bed, he pulled an invisibility spell and threw it over her. Then, as Wiccan leapt from the dais, drew her to the very edge of the bed. Then he rumpled the sheet, mussing the tell-tale folds that showed the pull of her weight, then dragged the cover fully down, as if someone had tossed it back to lift her out. No time to survey his handiwork, as light appeared in the cabin entrance. Three youths stood there, the leader short and stocky, the two behind him somewhat taller. One of them carried a torch. Gom slid off the dais and made for the far side wall. The flame flared, and the bearer, startled, dropped the torch. The flame went out. In the near dark, Gom listened to the angry voices arguing. He watched the leader bully cajole the others into the cavern watched him pull a knife and wave it at them. Was there going to be a fight? He looked around for Wiccan, couldn't see him anywhere. All at once, a girl burst through the archway, loud, imperious. Just two words, she shouted, but they pulled the three up short. Exchanges went back and forth, the girls angry, accusing, the stocky ones calm and mocking. Gom tried to move, but he was still too weak. The stocky one seized the girl's arm and raised his knife to strike her. Do something! Gom raised his staff and was just about to pull a fireball when, with a startled cry, the youth twisted and fell flat on his face. Wiccan! The girl fled. The last remaining light went out. Then brilliance filled the cavern as a squad of guards burst in with flaming torches. The stocky one came up, protesting. The soldier's commander put his spike to his chest. Gom listened intently, trying to follow their tone of voice. Whatever was said, those three young men had climbed up there to harm Leona, judging by the knife. Yet hadn't Wiccan told him that her presence there was secret, and this level was out of bounds? The only word he'd recognised throughout the whole commotion was Ithat. 
the name of Wickham's mentor, Captain of the Royal Guard. He had to be the one who now put his spike to the stocky one's chest. The girl was Istrid, surely, the princess who had sported Wiccan's baby shawl. Gon watched the stocky one's bluster, the soldiers marching all three away. So far, they seemed to be too busy arguing to look in on the armour. As Ethac and Istrid turned to leave, Gon let out a breath. Halfway, at a word from Istrid, Ethac climbed up onto the dais and drew aside the curtains. Gon leaned forward, his breath forgotten. Ethac cried out. Istrid jumped up beside him. Gon edged forward. He was staring down at the apparently empty bed, talking rapidly. Istrid asking, Ethac providing answers. Still talking, Ethac led the princess off the dais and out of the cabin. Gon listened to their hurried footsteps merging with the tramp of boots along the passage. Only when they had faded to silence did Gon sink back, remembering to breathe. His ruse had worked, which left just Wiccan. Gon got to his feet and, leaning on the bed, scanned the cavern. Wiccan was standing at the far side of the dais, gazing after Istrid and Ethac. As Gon fought to keep the image steady, Wiccan turned and called. Gon, are you there? Did you see? Oh, yes, thought Gon. And I am full of questions, but I may not show myself to you right now. Wiccan called again. Those three came to kill the Kier. Gon held still, just as he had feared. The one that drew his knife was Bomak, the royal adviser's son. He said, the Kier and I are kin. Is it true? Gon almost groaned aloud. After all the care he'd taken not to let it out. Kin, though, not mother. Did this Bomac not know? Wickham's voice was low and even, but Gon well guessed the effort it was taking him to keep it so. For all his good nature, he must be raging. He, the foundling, the outsider, would have been so grateful to the king for taking him in. And now, to find that not only Morok, but the princess, the royal adviser, even his mentor, 
must have known of this connection and had kept it to themselves. Whatever their reasons, this was one serious betrayal, one that Gom himself would certainly have taken hard. Oh, yes, Wiccan might well be angry, and who could blame him? How close are we? Cousins? Sister and brother, maybe? Wiccan let out a short laugh. Even when you said you were not free to tell me, you knew that we belonged. But now you can't deny it. I am kin. I have a right to know. Speak, Gom. Tell me who she is. He raised his fist. Then, with a sigh, released it. I'll try not to be angry. At least, not with you. Wiccan leapt onto the dace, patted the centre of the bed, just inches from where she lay. You hit her, didn't you? You can bring her out now. They won't be back. More miserable by the minute, Gom kept his door tight shut. It hurt not to answer, but because of what he was about to do, he couldn't speak, couldn't give himself away. The silence stretched, Wiccan looking uncertain. Then, as if making up his mind, he stooped, snatched up the coil of rope, and started for the arch. Part way, he turned and raised the rope. As he stood there, Gom sensed a slight shift, a deepening of his image. Wiccan had made himself visible. I'm over here, see? You were the one who said we should stay tight together, remember? I still trust you, though. I have no other choice, Wiccan added, dropping his voice. A shift again, a lessening of his solid shape. Then, muttering something about standing there talking to himself, Wiccan strode to the cavern entrance. There he paused again, looking back. My friend Prince Ismarok is dying. I'll be back. He waited for a space. Then, finally, he turned and hurried off. Gom listened to his footsteps fade. Silence. Gom closed his eyes. Worse and worse. Wiccan had the serum in his pocket, was likely going to try to use it, and would certainly be caught. But even if he'd had the strength to go with Wiccan, he couldn't, for he had to put Leona first. Gom looked around. Cecily? 
The torch flames flared, fanning flat, as light drafts wafted over. There came a sigh, almost a moon, then, hmm, what is it now, you little quick thing? Well, I'm hardly quick at present, unless you mean alive, which I suppose I am barely. Thanks for putting out those torches. Ah, so you noticed. I wasn't sure. You didn't say. Those loud creatures shouting and waving their upper appendages. I wanted to be rid of them. Now, finally, I have these spaces back to myself. That is, except for this last creature. Cesare whirled about the dace, riffling the curtains, the rumpled sheet, the pulled-down coverlet. You clever thing! They thought it empty. Going around the far side of the dais, Gon climbed up, and raising his staff, removed the invisibility spell he'd set on Diana not minutes since. There she lay, exactly as he had put her. Cesare blew in Gon's ear. What is it? Anyway, creatures that fly thus about my halls puff up like fungus ripe with spore, then waste away to nothing. Yet this one has lain up here for long and has not changed a whit. This creature is a human like me, Cesare. She lies under a spell which I will try to break once I have her out of here. To do that, I must work magic on her. Would you keep watch for me? No answer. Which could mean Cesare hadn't heard, but more likely meant she'd heard all right but had grown weary of their conversation. While Gong did not expect guards or healers at this point, there was Wiccan. If, by some great good stroke of luck, Wiccan managed to help the prince without being caught, Gong had better be done before he returned. If Wiccan was caught... Gom would certainly have to find him out. So, whichever way things turned out, Gom told himself, he'd better set to work. I hope I'm doing right, my lady, he murmured, pulling the starstone from under his shirt. Leona did not reply, of course or give any sign that she had heard. But 
They had already agreed that whatever the outcome, this was their only choice. Tom fingered the crystal's sharp edges, trying to calm himself, to gather up his courage. For all years of studying and storing up his magic, he not had any practice, not in any serious way, and certainly not on people. This was one potent spell, stowed in a stone more powerful than any in all Alm, and gaining from it all the time. What if he hadn't got it right? What if he didn't apply it correctly? And what if he couldn't control the crystal's power? Things wouldn't go a little bit wrong. Leona would die, and horribly. Gom shook his head. He mustn't let that happen, not after all they'd just been through. He saw her once more, in that deep and deadly place. There, only the briefest while ago, this touch had saved her life, and nearly cost him his. But, returning the gesture, Leona had held on, fighting the downward pull until it lessened, until Gom once more became aware. Then, keeping firm hold on his hand, Leona had climbed steadily through the void until the light beam had shone on them once more. Only then had she released him. We are safe, Gomgobblechuck. Go on back up now. I'll follow as fast as I can. Gom had to admit that she was no longer ashy, and her wide dark eyes shone with purpose. But she didn't know that the influence that had saved her by locking her in sleep was fading fast, did not dream that the moment of waking could well bring death. The thought of Wiccan had stemmed, and his own life force had consequently slowed her loss of hope. But renewing that hope might well have speeded up her waking. He had to get her out within the hour and down into the Dunderfoss. My lady, it is not that simple. I must have you in a safe place before you wake. But you're shut in a high mountain that's difficult to leave. I have a way to get you out and down, but there are hazards, and I need your consent. Oh? To do what? Gom hesitated. Why had he spoken up? 
Why hadn't he just gotten on with it? With permission, of course. As Gon explained, Diana frowned. Still, he kept going, keeping his voice steady and full of confidence he didn't feel. After he had finished, Diana nodded slowly. When you have done this, will I still be Leona of Penlangoth in my mind? I surely hope so. Leona's frown deepened. Then, all at once, her face cleared. It seems to be the only way I'll ever see my Al again. Very well. I shall slow my wakening as best I can. So, begin, Gongoverchuk, and may fortune favour you. Gom straightened, squaring his shoulders. If she would take the chance, so must he. If she risk her life, he must not even think of failing. Gom peered into the crystal, picturing the tiny nugget of white light that lay within its depths. In her log, Haga had described how it would release its force in a burst of wind and fire. He glanced to Leona nervously. A simple spell, yet one that had taken weeks in the making. Several years before, he'd made it because he'd liked the sound of it. He could have simply stored it in his staff, but instead he'd set it in his new stone, curious to test its enhancing power. Never know when you'll get the chance, he told himself, never expecting to use it on a human, never dreaming of this day. A songbird? Leona had almost smiled then. A golden sunbird? Why that, Master Gong? Because in Gong's opinion, the common goldfinch was one of the most beautiful birds in all our, and one of the most musical. It's small and hardy, my lady, and most likely to survive the descent. Actually, the gold one is the male. The female is olive, but of good voice all the same. I see. Leona looked wry. How exactly would I be carried? Gon cleared his throat. Inside my jacket. Staff in one hand, crystal in the other. Gon gazed down at the beautiful, pale face 
the slim human shape lying limp upon the bed. No! Gom raised the stone aloft. Stormfleet's transformation from Sito to Hack had required a potion and a space of several hours. Leona hadn't that long. She didn't need it. The transition from woman to bird took but three words and a burst of light that pained Gom's eyes. Energy streamed from the crystal with such force that Gom all but dropped it. He held on, arm raised, hand tingling as an icy wind not born of cessary started up. Louder it grew, whining against his ears, whipping his hair and tearing at his clothes. The curtains fluttered, billowed out, then quit their moorings to whirl around the dais while the canopy flew off to smash against the back wall. The rows of iron sconces toppled, then bounced and clanged across the floor, spilling the torches, spraying out hot, bright sparks. The torch flames sputtered and died, releasing clouds of choking smoke that reeked of wood and oil. Eyes of water, throat of fire, Gom held on to his staff, while ice cracked and groaned, Great slabs of it broke from the walls to smash down, shaking the very cavern floor. Icicles snapped off from the cavern roof, rained down like spears to shatter into deadly shards. You'd think with all this wind and smoke and noise and flying rock and ice that Gom would be terrified. And so he was, standing there, expecting at any minute to be stuck or struck or knocked sideways. Again and again he fought the urge to hunker down and hide his head. He couldn't, you see. Couldn't flinch. Couldn't move a stitch until the spell was over. And so he held still, staff in one hand, stone raised in the other, for Leana's life depended on it. The tingling stopped, the light cut, the wind dropped, all was still. Gom opened his eyes, lowered his arm, and found that he was trembling. He couldn't see a thing, of course, with all those torches lying around like spent matches. Scrubbing his face on his sleeve, for his eyes still smarted from the smoke, he pulled a light, sent it bobbing up above his head, 
and gazed around on utter devastation. Only the bed remained intact. On it lay a small grey-green bird, eyes closed, unmoving. With shaking hands, Gom reached down and scooped it up. It was warm, alive. He could feel the rapid thudding of its heart. Gom unbuttoned his jacket, slipped the starstone back inside his shirt, then tucked the creature into his inside breast pocket. So light and small it was, he could barely tell that it was there. Buttoning his jacket, Gom took up his staff and hurried off to look for Wiccan.